This is the Teaching Primary Music Podcast, where you will learn effective, tried and true methods to teach children the gospel of Jesus Christ through music. I am Courtney Ekman. And I am Sharla Dance. Okay, Sharla. Square one, you are called as a brand new primary music leader. What are the things you need to know, the bare bones basics for how to run a singing time? Okay, so one of the things we're going to start with is how to avoid problems. So a lot of people ask me, how do I keep it reverent? How do I get the kids engaged? How do I, what do I need to do? So the boys in the back are singing. What do I do about the three-year-olds in the front? And they, they ask all these specific questions, but the bare bones basics really does take care of a lot of it. And then we fine tune it. So, okay. So bare bones basics. So if I have to start out and, and I'm overwhelmed and I don't know what to do, I look at the three songs that we're supposed to teach every month and I choose one of them that's got a strong beat, one of them that's got a more gentle beat, and then it doesn't matter what the other one is, either gentle or strong, so that I've got a contrast because that's how the brain works really, really well. Kids' attention spans are about six to seven minutes if you've got them engaged, and then they need a switch, so it works perfect. Six minutes, six minutes, you got 18 minutes of singing time. And they're like, wow, is it over? In fact, that's what teachers will say. Really? We're done? Okay. Because they're engaged. All right. So three different songs, they have to contrast. But the three different songs you have to teach with some kind of engaging activity. One of those has to be something that's involved with the body and the beat of the song. Because the beat is what the words lay on. That's what everything else lays on. And so you have to get the beat into children's bodies. You'll notice when you first start doing it that they don't know, a lot of them, how to keep a steady beat on their body. They're just like tapping on their legs or clapping or tapping and then clapping. And there are a lot of different things you can use as extenders that they don't recognize that they're doing the same kinds of things. So one week you use pool noodles and one week you use rhythm sticks and one week you use egg shakers and one week you use egg cartons with a um, some kind of rhythm stick that goes and you're just keeping a steady beat with a pattern and that's only one of the songs and usually that's a strong beat pattern strong beat song the other songs you need to do something that shows the feel of the song and maybe has some kind of visual type of thing with older children you can use some words and but don't give them the words mix them up and have them put it in order while they're singing with younger children make four different pictures and cut them into four different pieces and say while i'm singing this song will you put these pictures together so that they're engaged but in a whole different area of their brain and then the third song, um, you have to do another kind of activity. You can go back to doing something with the beat. You can go back to doing something like swishing or moving in a, a softer way, if especially it's a softer song. But when you do that, all of a sudden, six minutes, six minutes, six minutes, and the singing time's over and the, you don't have any distractions because nobody's trying to stand on their head. They're too engaged and nobody's kicking the front of the, their neighbor's chair because they've already moved and they and they want to catch it and they want to get the challenge. So bare bones basic, three different songs, but each one of them has a different activity. Okay, so that's really excellent information. Let's talk about management of those three different activities. Let's start about how do you lead into your first activity and how do you transition between activities? 
Ooh, those are great questions. So with younger children, you want them to get focused onto you because their focus is, especially if they've not been in a situation in a group, their focus just flights all over the room. So you want them focused on you. So a lot of the different songs, they call them uh, wiggle songs. You know, my hands up on my head, I place upon my shoulders on my face. That one's one. Or, oh, I love to stand and turn my arms around, shake the left, that that kind of thing. And you, and you pull them with you and you get them to do those songs and you get them standing up. And then all of a sudden they're centered on you. And then you go, Here's the pattern. Ready? Can you have your hands? Can your hands follow my hands? And you have them do that. Then you go to the second one and say, okay, freeze. Everybody back in your seats. If they were standing up, look up here. What do you see? What do you notice? Here's the challenge. While I sing, you're going to put this puzzle together. There's four pictures, you know, that that's for junior, for senior. Here's the challenge. Here's a whole bunch of letters and how do they go together? And that would be crack the code kind of information type of thing. In between the thing, I literally say, you have 10 seconds to put away that rhythm sticks, 10 seconds, 10, nine, eight. For some reason, it motivates the kids like crazy. And I, it's to the point where I've got some boys chanting down the time because they want to see if they can do it and they want to see if everybody else can do it. And then they know they're fo- going to focus right onto something else. Passing out manipulatives, what tools do you have? What advice do you have for sending those out without that being a very distracting process? Over the years, I started out passing it all out myself, my, me and my pianist. But it it's not as effective as what I'm doing now, which is I make little packets of each manipulative and I put them under the teacher's chairs. And supposedly the teachers are going to sit in one place, but now the children want to sit on where the manipulators are so they can be the passer outers. So it's, it's pretty cute, but they know you have 10 seconds to get the, the, everybody to get this. And instead of going clear to 10, I start doing the pattern at like five or four, even though other kids don't have them and they're, then they're pushing the teacher more to get some of the manipulatives. And then you say, okay, back to your teachers. Here goes 10, nine, eight, seven, six. And they push them back to the teachers. The teachers put them back underneath. And I usually try not to have two or three manipulatives in a time because one is good. Two is a little pushing it. Three would be pushing their ability to attend. So I do hand signs, which don't take any manipulatives. Or I do, like I said, the puzzles or the words up there. Great. Let's talk a little bit about safety and manipulatives. What do you say to the children as you hand them out? What are the ground rules that you lay and how do you, why do you lay them that way? So with things like rhythm sticks, use them appropriately, or I'm sorry, I take them away. No questions asked. And unfortunately, it takes one or two times for a kid to use them inappropriately, like whacking their neighbor. And then I take them and say, I so wish you could be with us, but that's the rules. Don't use them inappropriately. Um, Another one is wind wands. When their ribbons hit somebody else and keep hitting somebody else and they are flicking actually somebody else. I take it. But just like Joseph Smith says, you have to show afterwards an increase of love or else they feel like they've been singled out and what they didn't realize was it was wrong. So this is unfair. But that you go to them and say, I just so want you to be with us next time. And you know the rule, right? Inappropriately. And I take it. Yeah, you know the rule. And then all of a sudden it's okay between you. 
And right. It's a, a little I bit usually of try not to say anything in the moment. I just keep singing and I just go over and I give them a look and I take the object away. It has only happened to me once or twice mm-hmm. in my entire singing career because I'm always clear, you know, the rules. And I used to feel really, really terrible about the person that I was taking away from. But then both times it was because they were hitting someone else. And I think about that poor other child in primary who deserves to feel safe. And so I always say, everyone here deserves to feel safe. This is a safe place. (laughs) This is a safe place. And we make it safe. Bye. Yeah. And I, yeah, I very, very rarely, if I set the rules ahead of time, which I remember 90% of the time and the times that have been a problem have been when I forget to say something <laughs> at the very beginning. Right. Right. Cause then they don't <laughs> And know. every time, even though I use manipulatives all the time, every single time I pass something out, we go over rules. What happens? They get taken away. No questions asked. Mm-hmm. I keep singing. I just go over and I grab it. So I don't make a big deal. Mm-hmm. I don't single them out. And they kind of know, and the activities are fast enough that we change to something they can engage in soon, mm-hmm. and then they never do it again. And hope I know there are children who would do it again, so I hope that your primaries are, you know, and, and I hope you have teachers that are willing to help. And if you do have somebody that's doing it again, you do what Captain Moroni did. You send in more manpower into the weakest places. So you have one of the uh, presidency members stand by him. You stand by him. And somebody his teacher's standing by him. He's like... I'm surrounded, (laughs) you know, and if they need to be taken out, they need to be taken out because it's a group learning space that is safe for everybody. And you want them to be in that space, but they have to be safe for everybody. Excellent. And what I liked about what you were doing is I bet when you're explaining the rules, you do it in three sentences or less. Correct. It's like 30 seconds or under. You've just got that because you don't want to lose them and their attention right? to you. Or, or for them to think that I think that they're bad kids, because right. I don't. Right. I don't want them to go hounding and hounding and hounding. It's just, you know the rules. Here they are. This is a safe spot. If yeah. There's no second chances, no warnings. Right. They just get taken away. And so right. they don't even try, right? right. They want to keep doing what we're doing. Right. Excellent. <clears throat> Excellent. Okay. So with a lot of the methods, like if you are introducing a song and you're saying, here's the pattern, mm-hmm. and you start singing, the first many times or even weeks, the kids aren't going to be singing with you, right? I know that that is something a little different. What do you have to say about that? (laughs) (laughs) One of the things about singing is that it's reproducing something, not producing first. You have to reproduce it because you're singing something that someone else has created. And so you have to hear it probably about four to six times as an older child before you can really even join into part of it. And unfortunately, a lot of times we as singing leaders say, okay, everybody's singing because that means that you're being successful. You're teaching the words, but that's not how the brain learns. The brain has to hear it while being involved. So for instance, you are riding along in the car and you're pointing out different things that you're seeing, you're on a trip and there's a song playing in the background. One of the things that happens is when that song comes back on, you might remember more often than not some of those sites because the song will trigger something. So here we are, we're doing this pattern and the song's in the background. And it's amazing that eventually the brain goes, oh, I kind of know that song. And then you do it again the next week and then you do it again the next week. And then all of a sudden they start singing. You're like, oh, okay. And, and don't say, now sing louder because... One of the things children do, they don't know the difference between loud and soft, and they're just barely learning to use their instruments. So let them get the song deep, deep inside them by hearing it, by being engaged. 
And then you say, oh, will you sing only this word? So that they have to come in at a certain place. But guess what? You've already laid down the map and they know where on the map that little word is. So then you say that word and sing that word. Right. I, I still sometimes use, you know, you know, like when you're preparing for a primary program, you can't help but be like, you know, sing louder. But I try really hard to not use louder anymore. Yeah. I say sing with your heart. Right. Because when they know the words and they've internalized the message, it's actually very natural for them. They have volume and it's so it's sweet. Beautiful. And it's, yeah. The spirit is so much stronger than when they're just scream singing because they want to <laughs> they want to get some dial up or some something you've created which I've done too but I've learned over time it really is better you know we talk about singing with your heart right and and that yeah produces the results better than any other technical <laughs> description but, of what you're trying to get them to do to right but the key that you just said is because they already know the words because they've had four or five different experiences right. with that song they do know deep down, oh, that's what this means. And this is where this word lays in the phrase. It is a map in their brain. Literally, you're creating a map in their brain. Younger children need more time to lay a map because they don't have very many maps in their head. So. Okay, we've talked about, we've covered a lot of things and we've wandered a path, but I, um, I just want to talk about a couple of more things. Okay. Okay, so a lot of new primary music leaders that I've watched they feel like they need to teach the meaning of the song through words and explain every sentence or, you know, talk about what this means and why is that important? That's not part of the Charlotte Dance teaching method. Can you tell us about <laughs> why? So about 25 years ago at a workshop, a woman came up to me and gave me a quote. Her last name is Barrett. And she said, if you teach a child a song deeply, like we were talking about, then the song will teach the child when they need it and when they ask for it. They will have it run through their head when they're like in front of the temple and going, I wonder, oh, I love to see the temple. It'll run through their head and teach them. One of the things that I have done, like for instance, we taught Redeemer of Israel, shadow by day and a pillar by night. And then as we were doing the rhythm and stuff, I said, freeze. I showed a picture of a shadow by day and a pillar by night. I said, these are cool. And then we went on and did the thing. No explanation because they will learn. They will put on layer by layer when they need it. One of the things that happens is that um, defining things is not the way the brain has ever learned what a word means. A three-year-old and a four-year-old are watching context and they're watching movement and they're watching your lips and they're watching, they're feeling what you feel. So if you give them feels and you sing and you're doing movement with it, they will eventually learn the context. For older children, there is one way to do that. And that is an envelope, not an envelope game, uh, eraser, eraser pass. pass, where you put three words that are the same and they have to erase the two that are not in the song. And they don't know they're learning the meaning by looking the, at those three same words, but it goes into the back of the brain. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. I, I'm sure I could ask more questions and go on and on and on, but it's a little bit like drinking from a fire hose. And so we'll dive a little bit deeper into some of these topics in later episodes. Thank you for listening and a special thank you to Dana Carden for composing our music.